it puts a lot of things in perspective of what's possible or how I want to treat myself, how I want to organize my life as well. This is Debbie and welcome to another episode of The Offbeat Life, where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditched the norm to become location independent. We'll learn how to create sustainable laptop lifestyles from the experts that will help us achieve freedom from our nine to five. Hey friend, are you looking to land a remote gig ASAP? Well, did you know that we not only have a ton of online jobs you can apply to on our site, but now we are also sending them straight to your inbox. I'm happy to announce that we will be sending our email subscribers legit online jobs every Wednesday. We have done hours of research so you don't have to. If you want to be the first one to hear about the remote gigs we find, go to theoffbeatlife.com to subscribe. In this episode, I'm really excited to speak with Joe, who was a former software developer turned online personal trainer. Together with his friend Marlon, they founded nomadstrong.com, which is the first online gym for digital nomads. So listen on to find out how Joe created an online business that helps others live a healthy lifestyle while on the road. Hey everyone, thank you so much for being here. I am really excited to speak with my guest today. I'm here with Joe. Hi, Joe. Hello, Debbie. Thank you so much for joining me here, Joe. Before we get to all of the great things you're going to share with us, can you tell us a bit more about you and why you live an offbeat life? Yeah, so I'm Joe. I'm originally from Germany. Um, why I live an offbeat life is a, a big question. Uh, I think it started when I was a kid. We moved around a lot. And so I kind of got into this rhythm of not staying in a city for too long. And yeah, then I tried to do normal jobs. I became a programmer for a while and then realized that's not really for me. And then I became a fitness trainer, personal trainer, and then decided to take that online and on the road. That is pretty incredible that you change all of these different things. But you also started, you mentioned where you grew up traveling around. How did that happen? Were your parents also um, travelers like you or was that a job that they had? No, it was more a job situation. So it was just me and my mom and it wasn't traveling. It was more moving to places. So then we lived uh, where I was born for a few years and then to another city. But so it wasn't travel. It was more still a little bit location independent um and yeah so just out of necessity getting new jobs then moving closer to my grandparents and then when i was 18 i wanted to move away from there because they lived in a relatively small place and i wanted to see the big world and yes all that's it's really funny because um, when Joe and I first started talking before the interview, I was telling him I'm currently in New York and he's in a really beautiful place. Are you, You're in Spain, right? Like you're in an island in Spain. Is that where you are right now, Joe? Uh, I mean, geographically, my neighbor always <laughs> tells me it's more Africa than Spain. Oh. <laughs> so I'm on the Canary Islands and it's indeed really beautiful. Yes. Yeah. And then I was telling Joe, I'm like, you know, if you hear any noises, I'm in New York City. It's really noisy here. And Joe's like, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be able to stand that. You like the quiet. And it's funny that you left the place that you grew up in because it was too quiet. Now, are you craving it again? You're like, that's my roots. <laughs> no, it was quiet and small, like just a handful of people. And like also like sometimes I like the noise, but then where is it? And 
no, it's just the New York City noise. If it never stops, that would be crazy to me. <laughs> this, uh... Yeah, it's like finding the little balances that, that you need both like quiet, but you also can't just have too much quiet. Okay, I understand that. I definitely understand that. <laughs> I mean, that being said, I also lived in Berlin for a while, which is also a pretty noisy place. And yeah, so I think I'm still looking for the best, uh, the best balance. So honestly, here at Tenerife, it's, I love it. But now I also feel like it's a little bit too quiet. <laughs> now I'm trying to uh, find the, the middle ground somewhere. Yeah, but that's one of the best things about becoming a digital nomad is if it doesn't fit you, then you can always change your location where you are. And that's a really good thing. And you were able to do this and discover this is what you wanted to do because you tried a few things. So once you left home, did you become a programmer right away or was that something that you kind of just like stumbled upon? Um, so after I left home, I had, a uh, a few years where I did some, uh, non-digital nomading or vagabonding, if you want to call it that, <laughs> maybe. And no, I mean, I left home at 18 and then I messed around for a few years and then I started studying IT in my early twenties. I think it was 20 when I started 21, something like that. Uh, but then realized studying is not for me again went to another city, uh, did an apprenticeship as a programmer. And then since then it became more digital, the, the travels. Yeah. And what, what made you kind of go into this full-time job? Because obviously it, you had it in you. I feel like sometimes with people you discover it later on in life, and then there's just some people it's kind of in their blood. And I feel like you're one of those people. Yeah, I really feel that uh, the situation as a kid. So it's uh, a while back, so a little bit personal, but a while back I was struggling with that, like not having a real home or not feeling rooted anywhere. And that's definitely something I had to come to terms with in in the lifestyle now or just in the life that I live. And now I enjoy it. But no, I definitely feel like a true blood nomad, if that, that makes sense. <laughs> um, because there's also, there was never a place where I would have said, okay, I'm going to go back to there. Or that's that's my home base. So I'm basically moving from home base to home base. And no, I'm, I mean, it's an interesting question. I have to say, I also think about that a lot, especially when I think about my future and how will that be? Will I ever have a home base? Or will I ever enjoy this lifestyle? And so that's also pretty common questions with other nomads I talk about. Um, no, but I think I'm getting closer and closer to thinking this is probably forever. Um, I mean, without being too, uh, what do you say it? Uh, too negative about it, but I also think the world changes rapidly. And so it, for me, it doesn't make sense to think about the home base where we'll be in 20 years. Like, what will the world look like in 20 years? Where can you live? Where is it nice? Where, what would you maybe want to avoid? And so, no, I'm planning six months ahead around that. And this is, I think, a good time frame for where I want to live. And not just let it, let it flow. Yeah, and that's, that's really interesting, too, that you mentioned that, Joe, because... 
I haven't really talked a lot about this, right? Because usually the digital nomads that I talk about either they do it for a certain amount of years um, and then they go back to their home base or maybe they're like, well, I plan on doing this for a few years, but I'm most likely going to settle down somewhere or maybe something happens and they start a family and they're kind of based somewhere or it's kind of like a back and forth. There's always a home base they they go back to and then they travel and then, um, but you kind of are thinking maybe this is a forever thing for you. How does that make you feel in a way where um, I know you said it, you struggled in the beginning, not having one, but did you have a point where you were just like, okay, I, I am embracing this, or I feel like I have to embrace this. Um, in terms of being a forever digital nomad or being a forever nomad? Um, not, I think it was the last two or three years uh, where I really started to first accept it and then embrace it. And really also, um, yeah, see, my, see a good future in that. And really, um, so if I think into the future when I'm, I don't know, 60, and so it's just way more realistic in my mind that I'm still moving, probably not every week or every two weeks, but I'm also not doing that now. So I'm very slow manning and uh, that's also part of it. So I think I became pretty good in building like temporary home bases and meeting the right people and going to the places where I meet the people that I like to hang out with. And so now I have a few places where I could be- go back to probably and be at least not alone or kind of integrated into a community. And now, so right now I'm really, really enjoying it and really see that as a life I want to live. And in terms of community, because you do meet a lot of people, how does that work for you? Were you like an uh, an extrovert and you're just the type of person that gets to meet people and then you make friends or were you an introvert that had to to become um an extrovert because i i feel like unless you're the type of person that you don't mind being alone all the time it could get lonely and um in certain situations you know when you're moving from one place to the next how do you make it so that you do have a community wherever you go mm. So I think, or what I discovered for myself is, I mean, I have a handful of good friends that are spread all over and that I'm in contact with over phone and that like that I feel connected to. And then what's for me the most important thing or what I feel is super important for me is the daily social contact, like the small, the small contacts, like going to the same cafe, meeting the people, getting friendly with them talking to the neighbors in the place I stay. And so that's like the baseline. And then I, uh, I like to do jujitsu and that's, uh, for me, it's the most welcoming community I've met so far. So you can just show up anywhere and say, Hey, can we train together? And since it's very physical, it has some, I don't want to call it intimacy, but, uh, you, I don't know, it's a different connection than you would have if you, I don't know, meet some, somebody and play soccer, I guess. <laughs> and, and there it's easy to then immediately meet people 
to to hang out with or to connect with and it's and one the other thing i like to work out uh, work out outside and especially here in spain they have calisthenics places all over and it's also something i tell my clients like if you're on the road this is the best place to meet people because then you hang out at the calisthenics bars everyone has to do rest between their sets you can easily strike up a conversation like hey cool exercise or whatever like it's the easiest place to talk to someone and also that's how i i put that together like go to cafes a lot go to jiu-jitsu work out outside and then depending on how long you stay obviously it's can become more more friendship like and in a way even though you are a digital nomad the connections you're making while you are on the road is not as digital it's actually more personal and in you know you have to force yourself to to make those interactions the the in person interaction to make that connection which i think is really beautiful right because like your work is digital but then your life is very much person to person and um I think there's beauty in that, especially if you're getting to know the area. But I always find that the people in those locations is what makes it unforgettable and something that you want to come back to every time. Um, because there's definitely a lot of beautiful places on earth and it's absolutely incredible, but it's usually the people um, in the places that make it, that it's like that little cherry on top that you, you really, it becomes unforgettable. No, that's right, for sure. And the other way around, I had places where I felt like I can't read Berlin, for example. When I lived there, I i mean, it was maybe also the vibe of the city, but there somehow I just couldn't connect really. And then it didn't, or it didn't, maybe it's too many people, maybe too many jiu-jitsu clubs, uh, maybe not enough outdoor training facilities. But no, definitely, like the the people... I think mostly make the vibe or the the general feeling of how good it feels. Which comes back to me really believing also in a, if you're not a nomad, like I think the daily small interactions, like smiling at the cashier, uh, how do you say that in English? Cashier? Yes, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> Those people. <laughs> yes, or the lady at the bakery or the small talk at the bus stop. And uh, no, I think that's super crucial for everybody. And it's a little bit easier to get if you're a nomad, I think. If you're new in a place, like you a little bit wide-eyed, bushy-tailed, oh, this is so nice, and then you sit in the cafe, and it's easier <laughs> to strike up a conversation. So if it's horrible, you can leave anyway, so... <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's true. And I, I also find that being social, especially when you're traveling solo, um, at first it's hard, but then as you keep going, I think more people are open to you because they kind of, I don't know, I, this is how I feel, Joe. I don't know how you feel. But most of the time when I used to travel solo, people would kind of feel bad seeing me like eating by myself or and then they would just invite me to to eat with them or like hang out with them. And that's so nice. And, it, you know, it allows you to really see how people are usually, you know, most of the time are good and they want to include you in things and they don't want you to feel lonely or alone. Um, and that most people are just, you know, they have a good heart. That's, yeah, that's my experience, definitely. I don't get invited to eat that much. 
But I also really enjoy being I'm alone in a cafe or then just sitting and especially in new places and then looking at people or <laughs> just like soaking up the vibe of what's happening. And then, no, but uh, I invite myself to eat sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Or like then you strike up a conversation and then like you said like people are I didn't have bad interactions yet I think yeah knock or, on wood not gonna happen maybe I don't <laughs> just just don't remember them that's uh, yeah maybe I just remember the good ones it's good yeah just, I just like it. <laughs> forget about those things right hide that away tuck it away somewhere if if that happens but usually you know like if that happens like you'll remember it for a little bit but the things that stand out are the best moments um that you experience which is good <laughs> let's kind of go back to you had mentioned in your 20s you started doing programming, but then you realized it wasn't for you. And obviously you're a fitness person. Um, you love being active and you do this for a living and you help people do it on the road. How did you transition from being a programmer to now being a digital nomad who helps people um, stay fit while you know they're, they're on the road themselves? So... I mean, originally it started when I when I was doing my intern or apprenticeship as a programmer. Like most people who sit all day, I started getting back pains. And then by coincidence, I met a personal trainer who needed a website. And I made him a website and he came to my place and we did a few workouts together. And so this guy got me hooked on working out. And then I started doing that more and bought a pull-up bar for my place and then just got really into it and unfortunately or now I wouldn't say it that way anymore but at that time uh, I got really into amphetamines and like in general just raving and party trucks uh, which was also because I hated my job and yeah so that kind of happened at the same time and so I got deeper and deeper into this addiction issue while at the same time becoming fitter and fitter. And then, I mean, at some point I decided I can't continue taking drugs or I don't want to. And then just fitness helped me the most, like training, I mean, the physical part of it, but also the success feeling or the feeling of progress or also a feeling of like taking care of yourself better. And so that was my initial motivation to help people um, or to become a trainer. So at first I wanted to work with addicted people um, because it felt like, oh, I, I helped myself out of my addiction by doing a lot of push-ups. But then I realized um, also going to rehab. And then I realized like this addiction thing is way more complicated than just working out. And so I decided not to, not to specialize in that or not to think that I could save addicts by making them workout programs. And then I started just uh, working in the gym as a trainer. I started doing online training in 2017 already because one part of the programming job that I like is like I can do it from everywhere. And then being a trainer is normally not something you can do everywhere or not normally what people do. And so then that's how I stumbled onto online training started doing that 2017 then also worked in gyms and traveled a little bit did some seminars 
And yeah, so that was the transition mainly. Yeah, and in a way, it was something that you really needed, and it was necessarily for you to to do in order to save yourself. And I love that you talk about just doing push-ups, right? And that was the first thing. And it's like the little things like that really matter um, for your health, and not just physically, but mentally, and also helping you get through things that were really rough. And I'm sorry that you had to go through that, Joe. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people can really relate to that when you feel like you're stuck in something and then you try to avoid it by doing something that, um, you know, is not healthy for you, but it helps you take your mind off of it. So I kudos to you for realizing that. And then another for realizing that you needed more help. Um, and I think it takes a lot of guts to to kind of realize that on your own, because as as people were usually very stubborn, right? We 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 don't want to be wrong and we don't want to fail at things. And your transition to that was pretty incredible. I mean, it also took some time. It's not like I just woke up and decided, oh yeah, this is this is gonna be it. So it was indeed. Um, I'm I'm not sorry anymore that it happened. So I'm actually really happy. Yeah. So uh, was a important turning point and some growing pains that came with that. But now I'm, I'm really happy to, to have this experience and to look back on it. And, and yeah, it still um, guides a lot of things that I do, like not going back to that or also seeing that change is possible, you know, like changing out of that, even though it was long and painful, but now it's, yeah, it, it's put, puts a lot of things in perspective of what's possible or, uh, how I want to treat myself, how I want to organize my life as well. So, Yeah, but you know what? That's usually when we grow the most is when we make those changes. Sometimes they're small, sometimes they're, they're really big. And oftentimes they could really change the trajectory of our life. Um, I think a day or two ago, I was just scrolling through social media and, you know, I don't know if you do that, Joe, but I do sometimes. Nah, just I also like do that to, too much. <laughs> I know. I'm like, just to get my mind off of things, like when you're working too much. But I saw this clip. I keep forgetting. He's like a late night show host. And he was getting interviewed. And the, the interviewer asks him, like, because I think he wrote in his book that um, I, I can't really say it word for word, but pretty much the premise was um, he said in his book that there was nothing that he regretted, even like the worst parts that happened in his life. Um, and the interviewer said, is that true? Like, do you not regret anything, um, even the worst things that's happened to you? And he said, no, because life is a gift um, and just living is a gift. So if you get life, um, you're going to have the good and the bad. And, you know, that's what you just have to do is just appreciate that, right? Because it's a true gift to even live. And I was like, wow, that's such a profound thing. Because, you know, a lot of, especially now with everything that's happening, it's very easy to just think, you know, life just sucks, right? Like when things happen to you, but thinking about it in a way where it's like life is a gift, like just even being born was a gift, right? Out of all the, you know, in your parents, like 
one of you like or millions didn't survive, but you did. So it is a gift. So I'm like, that's such a great way to think about life um, being a gift in that. So I was like, yeah, that's that's so true. Life can't be as good if the bad things don't happen. Um, And it does change us in, you know, so many different ways. That's what I meant with I'm happy for the experience, because I feel some people got a shitty gift. So some people really have a painful life and it doesn't change. And so for them, it's bad forever. And I get that it's not that they can't see it as a gift. But for me, like having had the opportunity to change out of that and now like the painful periods now, like that's what I meant with the perspective. It's just, yeah, it's tough, but I also know it can be good again. Yeah, it's 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 interesting because I think when you're when you're in deep into something, when some things are really bad, you can't. It, sometimes it feels like you're drowning, right? Um, and especially if you're on your own, it's so much harder because at least if you have some sort of a support system, they kind of could help you out somehow. You have a shoulder to lean on, um, but when you're on your own, that's a really tough thing um especially if you're drowning like you know like you feel like you're drowning and there's nothing um that you can do personally because um but to get out of that um especially if you don't have a built-in support system and you have to find that on your own is a pretty incredible thing um and to see life as a gift even after everything you've gone through, you know, would you, Joe, I'm sure there's other things that's happened in your life too, um, that's come to that point. Um, but it's, it's amazing. Um, when we do take our life and see it as, as a gift and see there's chances and what we're going through right now is not forever. Um, and it also takes a special type of strength to do that, which you obviously had, and I'm sure a lot of people who are listening to this do have, because I feel like as human beings, we are really, we are really strong. And sometimes we just don't know how strong we are until those things actually happen to us, which is ironic because I'm like, no, not, not that, but you know, you just get through life, I guess. (laughs) But that's funny you say that because that's one of the things I say to my clients often, like you're way stronger than you think. And that obviously with me relates often to training or physical stuff, but also the mental, mental aspects of it for sure. And I think it fits also to, to what you said earlier with people inviting you to eat or just like not wanting you to be lonely. I think what helped me a lot, oftentimes, especially in my addict times, it felt, of course, it felt like I'm only by myself and I'm drowning and I have nobody. But now it feels like there's a lot of people, like there's a lot of help available. And I mean, of course you can't go to a foreign country and then just be like, Oh, I'm, I'm not feeling well. Someone help me, please. <laughs> so that's, uh, even though that might work, um, well, someone would help you because like you said, humans are overall very good and very interested in others being good and getting better. And, I mean, it's probably also the experience I had then from rehab and how people treated me and helped me in a lot of ways, strangers that that never got anything back from it, except the good feeling of having helped me, which seems to be enough, which is enough for most people. 
um, like you and me probably know, <clears throat> know, just feels good if you help someone. Yeah, and I, I think that's also, you know, as, as a human being, and I'm sure this happens to you a lot, like even this conversation we have, right? Mm. You feel good when you're connecting with someone. And I think that is something that people get when they're helping you. They're getting something out of it. And it doesn't have to be anything like you're giving them money or you're doing something back for them, but that feeling that they get from just helping you. And I think that's something that you can't really replicate with other things um, because you do have that connection and you feel like you're doing some sort of a purpose in your life. And if that makes sense, um, because there's only so much that you can do with with things right or with money or whatever it is with your job like you can only go so far but in terms of like giving back or feeling like you have that connection with with another human being I think that's really beautiful and something that you can remember for a really long time and um yeah and I I love that that you're able to do that and you really change the trajectory of where you were to what you're doing now. And it's giving you that same sort of feeling in a way. I don't know, maybe I'm putting words in your mouth because um, it changed you as a person, I'm sure. And now you don't hate it <laughs> and you you have other support systems in your life. Now, you're not putting words in my mouth. So I have to be honest, like this is the main reason I'm doing this job. Like it just feels good. I don't know what else to say. Like if people <laughs> do physical stuff they couldn't do before and they're happy about it or people are out of pain or not getting any more pain. And then I don't know, like I think a lot about that, like what's the, the psychology behind it or the social construct that carries all that and why does it feel good and blah, blah, blah. But I don't know. I had a few years ago, I trained with a guy. He was in the thirties and he hurt his back when he was in his twenties. And so for 10 years, he didn't walk faster than a quick walk. And like he did nothing athletic, nothing. And then I had him jump onto a like 20 centimeter. We worked on that for a few days before he jumped on a 20 centimeter high, like you're in America, right? That's like two hand widths probably. Like a yeah. very small step and he jumped on it. And then we were in the gym and he started crying for joy mm -hmm. of how good that made him feel that he was able to do that again. And I still think about that so much and it's, yeah. it feels so good. Yeah. Seeing that more and more also in other people, like more, I feel most people have that and just want other people to feel good and then just link into that and also put some trust into that. You now for me now, when I have, trouble sometimes or if I feel a little bit disconnected or like I'm not drowning anymore but like I feel the water rising a little bit it's like yeah I help people people help me it's a good system it's uh feels good for everybody yeah and it may seem for us who can do things like that it may seem so little right like him just jumping yeah. those tiny little steps but for that person that's 
that's a huge thing. It's something like you had mentioned, Joe, like he hasn't done for a very long time. And also that gives you hope, you know, like, okay, now that I can do this, maybe I can do other things or I could jump higher, bigger. I could actually feel good again. And that changes your whole being in, in a lot of ways. And hope goes a very long way, you know, even if it's just a tiny little bit, it definitely goes a long way. And without a tiny little bit of it, so if you don't have any of it, like it pretty much kills everything. Like if you don't have hope that it can get better, why would you even try? Yeah. And and that's the thing about resiliency in humans. Like when you're just given that little tiny speck of hope, you can pretty much do anything or it feels like you're invincible and you're like superhuman in, in a lot of ways, which is good. And you help people do that. So... You know, this is actually a good segue to my question to you, Joe. So let's move forward to about 30 to 40 years from now. And you're looking back in your life. What legacy would you like to leave? And what do you want to be remembered for? Mm, how much money I made. Nah, kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, interesting, Joe. <laughs> nah. <laughs> Just the most absurd thing I could mention, uh, think of in the moment. <laughs> like we said earlier, like I, I think about being in the future and where would I want to live and what would my lifestyle look like? But I'm not really thinking about what kind of legacy. I mean, I, I think it's just the guy jumping on the steps. So this is my, my base module. And I mean, this is an extreme example, but like most people, probably all people I work with, feel better after a while and this interaction happens where they tell me that they got better and I'm happy and it feels good to me. And I just now trying to multiply that in as much as possible. And I'm, I don't know, like I said, when I was in my twenties and after the addiction thing, when I was convinced that I'm going to help 1 million addicts quitting their stuff through working out or something and had these like grandiose goals of what I would like to achieve or be remembered for but no no i honestly don't think about leaving something behind or legacy it's just uh i'm trying every day or i'm most of the days when i feel (laughs) feel good enough to do it um to just replicate that and make it bigger and reach more people with the same same solutions or with the same mindset of let me just help you Yeah, absolutely. And I think I love that you're trying to pay it forward um, because you did get a lot of help when you felt like you were drowning. And now um, it's your time to to pay that forward. And I love that you're able to create this and do this not just for yourself, but for for other people as well. And I love that legacy. And um, that's something that definitely in, in our deathbeds one day, you know, when Somebody asks us, hey, what do you remember? And that's the thing that you remember the most too, um, which I think is really incredible to leave. Um, like that human connection and what you can do for for others that gives you a lot of joy. Thank you so much, Joe, for joining us today. Thank you for letting us into, you know, your journey, um, for sharing with us um, what, what it was like um, and, uh, you know, transitioning to to everything that you have gone through. We really appreciate you being here. If our listeners want to learn more about you, where can they find you? 
Um, so first off, thanks for being so interested. That always mm -hmm. feels good to talk about yourself, right? <laughs> and uh, now people find me on nomadstrong.com, this uh, online gym I have, uh, or on Instagram, Joe Keeps Moving. Uh, the name is the program. And no, that's the main, main places I am. Perfect. Thank you so much, Joe. We really appreciate you. Likewise. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this episode with Joe. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to get the extended interview where he shares how to stay fit on the road. Hey friend, have you been wanting to start a podcast? I know it can be overwhelming in the beginning. Believe me, I have been there. Lucky for you, we have created a new site called howtocreatepodcast.com that shares a ton of freebies that can help you get started. From launching, growing to monetizing, we share it all in one place. Visit howtocreatepodcast.com for more information. Hey listeners, thank you for listening to this episode and I'm so thankful for your support. I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode and get suggestions on guests, topics we can discuss, and so much more. Feel free to reach out at hello at theoffbeatlife.com and let me know what you'd like to hear. If you like the show, don't forget to give us some love and review on iTunes. Thank you again for being a part of this journey and I can't wait to hear how your location-independent story will unfold.